Welcome to H is for Helpmate, a podcast unraveling the web of homeschool culture and femininity in fundamentalist Christianity. I'm Alex. And I'm Anna. And today we're going to talk about purity culture. I feel like this is a very fitting topic because we were just talking about like documentaries. If you're a listener, you've listened to our first two episodes, you'll know that's kind of how Anna and I bonded and well, no, we bonded in, in grad school, but recently we've been all into documentaries and watching, you know, Keep Sweet, both versions on Netflix and Discovery Plus. We watched what the Hillsong it? documentary. Oh, yeah, we watched the Hillsong documentary. Did you watch The Way Down? Uh, I haven't watched it yet, but I want to. Uh, oh, it is good. It is a really, really good one. And I just, before we started recording, said to you, that oh I just started Trainwreck with the Woodstock '99 one. Yes, yes, I actually just finished that one about two weeks ago. I know, it is so good. Some of the uh, my my coworkers they recommended it at lunch the other day, and I'm like, okay, I'll turn this on while I'm having you know having my dinner. And speaking of purity, I felt like very much that I needed to be in purity culture, and I had to literally closed the blinds of my windows because I was like there's so so many naked people on the screen I know like (laughs) half of it was just like boob flashes but I mean there's also just like the penis I mean I wouldn't even call that a flash I mean it's just out you know like I was watching that and my husband walked in the living room and he was like honey what are you watching and I'm just like Woodstock 99 yeah man Woodstock 99 (laughs) I know. I was like, oh, my God, somebody's going to come on to, like, my patio and see me watching this and think I'm watching, like, like the corn or something. Yeah, corn or something, because I was like, okay, maybe a couple flashes of boob, whatever. And, like, more and more and more flashes of boobs. Oh, so. I know. And there's, like, progressively more skin. Like, people just, they just take off their clothes <laughs> by the end of the, oh, train wreck is just, it's a very appropriate title. It really seems like it is going to be a very appropriate title. And uh, yeah, it kind of piggybacks a little bit off of this idea of purity that we are going to talk about today. That's basically the opposite of purity culture. <laughs> the exact opposite of purity culture. People would be so like horrified. Yes. So this is random, but growing up, I really did not listen to a lot of secular music. I know that's probably not a surprise. Um, But I had a little neighborhood friend named Sarah, and she had a brother who dressed in all black and had like the chain necklaces and skateboarded. And he would listen to corn in his garage while he was working on his skateboards. And we were like walking outside one day and my mom heard him <laughs> listening to corn and like went into his garage and was like, you need to turn that off. That is demonic. And like, you could just see the garage door. He didn't even respond. Like the garage door just went slowly down. <laughs> 
But he was not a bad guy. Like, one time, one of my friends, we got really into making stuffed animals. It was a phase. Everyone did it. And she had made this little, like, cat stuffed animal. And we were pushing them around in strollers around the neighborhood. And her stuffed animal fell out. And we didn't notice until we were almost back home. And she started crying. And this, like, emo corn guy... I mean, he like went through the whole neighborhood on his skateboard and he rang our doorbell and I was very freaked out. And my mom answered the door because like I was not supposed to go to the door because this guy was at the door and he had gone all through the neighborhood on his skateboard until he found the little stuffed animal. Oh, I know. So he wasn't bad after all, even though he listened to corn. (laughs) Don't you find it interesting? This is not at all related to purity, but don't you find it interesting how everything seems to cycle back like in 30 years or so? Like I'm I'm watching this documentary. I'm like, oh, I remember all of that stuff, but I'm seeing it in stores in like the past three, four years. All the fashion. Like the clothes? Oh, yeah. I went to Walmart yesterday and I was like, what is this? It's like a spaghetti strap, flannel plaid, like two piece set. <laughs> like this is so 90s, you know? Oh, all the 90s are back. And I remember being a kid in the 90s and like looking at cute little outfits or whatever. And my mom would be like, this is all the 70s. Like it really just yeah. does recycle back every 20, 25, 30 years or so. So. I bought a pair of jeans yesterday that literally I had the exact same pair in middle school. I was like a sixth or seventh grader and I had the exact same pair. And then I just bought another one yesterday. Personally, I'm really glad bell bottoms are back because I've always loved bell bottoms. I think they're so much fun. There are some extreme bell bottoms that I've seen in stores. I just had one with like a little mild flair to it. That's what I bought yesterday. But like the big, big, big bell bottoms are back too. Like Mamma Mia, Abba style bell bottoms. Oh, yes. I'm not mad about it though. I love it. (laughs) I'm not too mad either. I won't wear it because I kind of try to go for like the timeless capsule wardrobe. Like that's going to withstand trends. But absolutely into a pair of bell bottoms. What can I say? They're sneaky like that. They'll get you. <laughs> they will. They will. And you know what else is sneaky? Purity expectations. Did you like that hard, hard transitional shift there? Bringing it right back yes. to the content. But it is, it's true. Like this idea of purity is, I feel like, very insidiously invasive in our culture and even more so in homeschooling fundamentalist culture, too. I'm only assuming you are the expert there. Definitely. I mean, I think for us, we were always told purity was really all-encompassing. Purity was not just sexual purity. Purity was spiritual purity and mental purity, having pure thoughts and physical purity and the way you dressed as part of your purity. And um, so it was really all consuming. That's so interesting because I really, being kind of outside of the fundamentalist Christianity sphere, 
I feel like when you hear about like being pure, being pure, it's simply just like, don't have sex. Don't kiss people. Don't, you know, don't anything in that physical sense of purity. But that's really interesting that it's also kind of purity of spirit and purity of mind. Connecting back to when we watched Keep Sweet, it's kind of that idea, isn't it? Yeah, it very much is. And I mean, even though that's a completely different religion, I think some of the tenets, especially in this area, will be the same, even though the way the way things turned out was completely different. Like we didn't have rules that we had to wear pastels or that That colors were evil, but it was very much like, well, if this is more than so many inches below the collarbone, or, you know, if your shorts are above your fingertips, or if you raise your hands and your belly button shows, I mean, you know, we still had all these different rules, although they weren't called rules. I mean, that's what they were. Right. So there was no like braiding hair book for you guys, but no. <laughs> definitely the guidelines of what is acceptable and what is not. And and I think you said like very modest. Yes. Yes. And I mean, that looked different for people in different groups. Uh, I mean, obviously, there are people who are like the Duggars who had the really long denim skirts. And there were even people who only wore like the women always wore pantyhose under their long skirts. There are people who the women always wore like closed toed shoes. I mean, there are just so many different ways that this looked. I think for me, I was around a lot of different people. So some people were like that, where they were just very rigid. And then um, by the time I got to high school, I mean, I had friends that were in public school. So I kind of had a more normal idea of things. And my homeschool group at that point, we had a very strict dress code. But I mean, women were allowed to wear pants. You couldn't wear sweatpants, but that's because school is a very nice place to be. It's a privilege to be at school. You want to dress your best at school. So a privilege to be at school. I thought that was just kind of a guaranteed right. (laughs) Not to people who are homeschooled. No, (laughs) I guess not. Um, I remember you telling us in like in grad school how like all of your keepers friends and your homeschool co-op kids like they were so jealous of you because you were actually allowed to wear pants yeah uh when I was in elementary school and I lived in the midwest I mean almost all my friends were exclusively in skirts and We were part of an ATI group for a while. For those of you who don't know ATI, um, how do I talk about ATI? Okay, quick synopsis of ATI. So it stands for Advanced Training Institute, and it was a homeschool curriculum, but also kind of like a club you could join, and you would get like a little membership card, and they had homeschool curriculum and it was all based on the Bible. So you might read a proverb and then like from that proverb, you're getting a science lesson, a history lesson, a language lesson, you know, all in 
all from that one piece of scripture. So it wasn't just like they were bringing scripture in. It was very much based on scripture. So anyway, we were part of an ATI group when we first moved to the Midwest because honestly, there weren't a lot of homeschool groups in the early 90s. And pretty much everybody there, I mean, everybody that I know of, they all were ATI members and they all wore like the long skirts. And I remember one day saying to one of my friends, can't wait to go home so I can put on my pants. And she was like, you wear pants? Wow, you're so lucky. Oh my gosh. Very, very different experience than how I grew up in the Midwest. That's for certain. Yeah, I wouldn't have been caught dead in a skirt, but that's just because I was a chubby kid and I definitely had thunder thighs at age seven. So I was like, the chafing problem was real. Since childhood, I was not going to be wearing no skirts or anything. It was pants or none. That's like my endless summer struggle because since I live in the South, it's like, it feels like summer pretty much all year. So... I have a lot of chafing solutions we can talk about after this, though. We will connect about those 100%. As I don't care that summer's coming to a close for me in the Midwest. Like, I need all the chafing help I can get. Um, again, hard transition, bringing it back to what we're actually supposed to be talking about. But so purity culture, like you said, it's not just purity of of your physical dress and dressing modestly, like it's just kind of your whole being being pure, right? Um, so what does that look like in your family life? What does that look like in your social life? Wow. Um, that is a lot to answer in one question. <laughs> I feel like we're going to go into all of that, but I don't think I can answer it all in this moment. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. I I think it's important to point out too that, you know, it wasn't just about dressing modestly for for self-respect. Um it was really about dressing modestly because that is the commandment. So, and as far as being all-encompassing, everything is supposed to come from the heart. So you're supposed to have these convictions in your heart from God that you're supposed to dress this way and live this way. So that's kind of where it all starts. And I think you see that in other churches that are not fundamentalist, but obviously it's a little more extreme. Well, a lot more extreme <laughs> within fundamentalism. You know, I don't know. Did you ever watch my unorthodox life on Netflix? No, but I need to. Yes, you need to. I, I have a love-hate relationship with that show. Um, I'm a big, 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 big reality TV girl. Anna knows this about me, but I am, like, all about Real Housewives. I'm all about reality TV competition. Southern Charm. Yes, Southern Charm. Pretty much anything on Bravo is my jam. I love, I love reality TV, and so obviously I would gravitate to my unorthodox life because it's reality TV, but... I remember this one thing that Julia Hart, she's kind of the main character. She's the main mom. And she says, because she, do you know much about my unorthodox life? I don't. Oh, 
Okay, let me fill you in. Julia Hart, she was uh, coming from like a fundamentalist Jewish background and had decided that that life was no longer for her and so kind of left the community in Muncie and went to New York City and started up this wildly successful business. And now she's like the head of one of the biggest modeling firms in New York. And I know, I know, which part of me is, is wondering like, how is this really possible? Because her timeline makes it seem like it happens all in five years. But one of the things that she said in one of the first episodes was so, um, it really rung true with me, especially knowing that we were going to do this podcast about fundamentalist Christianity. And she said that fundamentalism in any form is just dangerous, whether it's fundamental Judaism, fundamental Islam, fundamental Christianity, like it is just dangerous in all forms because it is so restrictive, especially for women. Uh, 100% true. Yes. I mean, I think like we were talking about with the Keepers episode, a lot of these ideas are not bad ideas. And I think, you know, obviously my parents had really good intentions for me. I think my friend's parents had good intentions for them, but anything taken to the extreme is usually a bad idea, (laughs) including this. So as far as the modesty portion goes, um, there's really, there's really like only one Bible verse about modesty in the Bible. That Um, is shocking to me. Is there really? Again, I I think so. I mean, I could be, I could be wrong. Um, Now I'm Googling it. But as far, the one I'm thinking of is in first, well, I mean, there's the head covering verse, but that one's very controversial. Um, but I'm thinking about the one that says women should not adorn themselves with braids or fine jewels, but with a quiet and gentle spirit. And as far as that goes, I'm really not sure how we got from that to purity culture modesty. <laughs> I have no idea. It was like... You know, and I mean, it's interesting because for different cultures, there are different standards for modesty anyways. I mean, completely different standards in in different cultures and also different time periods. That's really true. That's a really good point. Yes. So I don't really know how they got there with that. But once again, everything is supposed to come from your heart and your convictions. But at the same time, there are all these rules to follow I did not wear a bikini until I was 22 years old. I really thought it was morally wrong to show your body because I had been told over and over again that every man is like your brother in Christ and you would never do something to hurt your brother. And if your brother looks at you and you're dressed immodestly that they will not be able to control themselves basically so uh, yeah (laughs) oh my face right now I'm just like ew that is that is so awful and gross why is it putting all the blame on the woman Uh, ah, okay yes we had to I mean so I mean there were a lot of 
Like, I had friends who didn't even wear their pajamas in front of their brothers. And I mean, their pajamas weren't like a modest or anything, but their family did not allow that. Like, they left the bathroom covered in their, like, robe with their pajamas on. And in the morning, they went in, in the bathroom and they put on their clothes and they came out. Like, they did not go down to breakfast in their pajamas. They did not sit around in their pajamas. My family was so much more laid back than that. Like... I mean, I walked around in my pajamas all the time and I didn't think anything of it. I wouldn't do that like if my brother had a bunch of friends over just because it's weird, but I didn't feel like wearing my pajamas was going to cause someone to sin. Wow. So it's it's literally taking that like actually, literally, we don't want your brother to get gross pervy thoughts about you, but also that idea of like the brotherhood of man. Like we don't want any men to get gross pervy thoughts about you yes and I think it leads to kind of awkwardness between like male female relationships I mean uh I want to talk about modesty a little bit more but basically any sort of male female relationship is pretty much not allowed (laughs) so (laughs) yeah and it looks like we're gonna get to that more in in just a bit oh definitely Going back to my bikini story, though, I had just graduated college and I had always really, really wanted a bikini and I had been exercising a lot and I wish I had my tiny little college body. But girl, I had obliques that were like visible, like you could see my obliques and I had been doing all these side crunches to get them and I really wanted a new swimsuit and I had always gone swimming in like uh, either a tankini with a swim skirt or like a one piece with shorts. I never even did like a one piece without shorts because that was immodest. <laughs> so, uh, and actually this is kind of a funny story, but one time I was at a youth group pool party. And at this point, most of my friends were in public school and I jumped in the pool and this guy looked at me really weird. And I was like, why are you looking at me like that? And he goes, you jumped in the pool with all your clothes on. And I was like, no, this is a swimsuit. And he was like, it it looks like clothes. (laughs) But anyway, I bought that bikini. It was a Lily Pulitzer bikini that I had been working my little summer job. And I spent like $200 on a bikini because that's who I am. I loved that swimsuit so freaking much. But on my way home from buying it, I called my college roommate and I was like, I need to tell you something. I've just done the worst thing I've ever done in my entire life. And she was like, what did you do? And I was like, I bought a swimsuit and it was $200 and it's a bikini. And she was like, oh my gosh. And I ended up feeling better and taking this home and telling my parents, like, I bought a bikini and I thought they would freak out and they really did not care. I could tell my mom was disappointed. My dad did not care at all. But at that point, I mean, I had graduated college. Like, it was it was a different world. And my parents really were not in the fundamentalist culture anymore at that point. So that was my first bikini. Baby's first bikini. <laughs> Oh, I, well, I hear I laugh, but I've still never worn a bikini, but that's not for modesty reasons or like purity culture reasons. That's like my own fat phobic reasons. So it's it's the tankini and uh, I do wear the little booty shorts. Yeah. 
Yeah, I wear like the little bottoms or a a one piece, but yeah, it's hard. As an adult now, I I just bought a new swimsuit and it was definitely a tankini and it was eight dollars. So it's not like I normally spend two hundred dollars. But yeah, I almost always wear shorts just for my own personal comfort level now. But I'm so glad I had my bikini when I did because I totally had the confidence to rock it then. Yes. And you know what? There is a certain level of confidence and I just am not quite there yet. But I'm I'm living because like we said earlier, it, it all comes back around. I feel like really chic one piece is really in right now. It's super in, super in. And the high-waisted bottoms are back. And as an adult, I really like those. I love high-waisted bottoms so much. I do not want the low-rise jeans of the 2000s to be back. No, no, and I'd be totally cool if skinny jeans go out, like, especially for men. (laughs) Like, I just want skinny jeans to go. Like, give me the mom jean, give me the high-waisted, give me the bell bottoms. Skinny can go. It can go right out the window. That's fine. (laughs) Okay, so dress codes and modesty checks. It seems like for me, every homeschool group that I was part of had a different dress code, which I think is really common within private schools, too, and even some public schools. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Ours was definitely more extreme. When I started high school, I did kind of a hybrid model where I went to, it was at a church, but they had it set up like classrooms and I took classes so many days per week. And then the other days I did my homework at home. So it was kind of like college at that point. And our dress code when I was in ninth grade, I don't even remember it because it was pretty laid back. Like as long as you were not dressed kind of slutty. I don't know what word to use. I mean, you were fine, you know, but my sophomore year, our headmaster retired and we got a new headmaster and he was 27 at the time and he had a doctoral degree in divinity. I'm still not sure what that means, but that was his degree. And he also had a hip replacement (laughs) because he used to play football and he had this cane that had like a gold alligator as the handle (laughs) and he would like walk around on the cane and it just, it was very weird. (laughs) Wait, you have to tell that story again because it cut out right as it revealed why he needed a hip replacement. Okay. Okay, so start 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 at... Uh, principal. Okay. And then we got this 27 year old principal. Start there. Um, and then my sophomore year, we got a new headmaster. He was 27. He had a doctorate of divinity. I'm still not sure what that means. And he also had a football injury from high school. And he had to get a hip replacement in his first year as headmaster. So after that, for like the next couple of years, he walked around with a cane and the handle was a gold alligator. (laughs) So he was just like walking around our school with this gold alligator cane. (laughs) But he was, I don't know, like he had this chapel where he said he thought everyone's behavior had gotten too lax and we just weren't really 
following God, I guess, because we weren't following all these rules. And so he basically established a bunch of rules. Um, modesty was part of it. There were other rules that were part of it, like who was allowed to sit with whom at lunch and during chapel and stuff like that. Anyway, who was allowed to sit with whom? So we were, I mean, this is kind of cute, but I was kind of annoyed about it because I wanted my social time with my friends. We were assigned buddies that we had to have lunch with and we would help them like open their lunch. It was like an elementary school buddy. Um, We'd help them like open their lunch and get everything out or we had pizzas on Friday. So we might help them go through the pizza line. And then we had to help them. We had to put up and take down all the tables and chairs every time we had lunch. So that took like 15 minutes, which is not very long, but we did that. And before he came, we had a separate classroom where all the high schoolers could go and eat together. And that was really fun because we could all hang out. And we also used to be allowed to play basketball in the gym if we had free time. But then he put tables out there and he said everyone had to sit down and do work. And if you didn't have work to do, you had to put your head down on the table. <laughs> like you couldn't even talk. Oh, my God. That I know. It was so sad. But I feel like that's going to be its own episode. So I want to go back to the modesty. Um, He started instituting dress code checks which is where everyone would be called to the chapel and everyone would have to like raise their arms and see if their belly shows and like touch their toes and see if their back shows. And also like when you lean over as a woman, I mean, you don't want your shirt to come too far forward because then people can see your boobs. So things got really, really intense as far as the modesty goes. And it was also awkward because, you know, I mean, I was like 15 and he was 27. So there's that. Thankfully, I know, I know. It's very cringy to me now. As a kid, I didn't realize it as much. But I am such a rule follower that, I mean, I wrote down all these rules. And I, I mean, I only wore clothes that went like collarbone. Because I didn't want to wear anything. Like, one time I wore a v-neck and he came up to me and he was like, come here. Your shirt, it's not it's technically following the rules. It's not bad, but you need to be wearing things that draw attention to the right places, like your eyes. Oh, because you wore a V-neck? I would and it wasn't even that. like a low V-neck because it's still like he measured it. That's the other thing. He had this ruler and he would go around and measure girls like collarbones to see if their Stop. shirts like, yeah. <laughs> Yes. And apparently it got a lot worse after I graduated. So I'm just glad I graduated and got out of there. Am I going to Google this guy and find out he had like some torrid, coercively, like, what is that word? Oh, my God. Groomed a relationship with a student or whatever. He sounds like a complete creep. I think, you know, that's the weird thing is I didn't feel creeped out at all as a kid. I was scared of him, but that's just because he was like an authority. I wasn't like, I also didn't really know a lot about sex. And I also didn't really know about like rape or like groomed relationships. So I, I maybe didn't know enough to be scared either, but he 
ended up like everything came to a head a couple years ago. People started leaving Google reviews about our school with experiences that they had with him. And it was, I mean, it was statements that he had said to people like, I don't know if your shorts got shorter or your legs got longer, but you need to fix that. Ugh. Seriously. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. Oh, God. What, what a creepy thing to say to a high schooler. And I'm especially a high school girl, because let's be real, he wasn't saying that to the boys. No, and that was frustrating, too, because I remember saying to my math teacher, who also taught at public school, but she came um, to our, she was like part-time at public school and part-time at our school, and she called us her angel baby students because she said all her other kids were were like, she had um, remedial math, so she would like bring in a pizza and be like, okay, guys, you can have a slice of the pizza, but you have to tell me what fraction of the pizza you have on your plate and what fraction is left. There are eight slices in the pizza, and they could not do it which is really sad. So anyway, she was awesome, but she was definitely not a fundamentalist Christian. (laughs) And she said to me one day, she was like, if he's going to be so strict on you, then he needs to fix that guy over there whose pants are sagging because I can see his underwear. (laughs) Yes, good for her. She's like that teacher in that one. Okay, again, I'm going back to Netflix. Did you watch Dairy Girls? No, I need to watch more TV, obviously. <laughs> I should probably watch less TV, but she sounds exactly like one of the characters from Dairy Girls, where these girls are going to this Catholic high school. It's all run by the nuns in Ireland in the 90s. And then they get like the cool girl teacher in who's trying to, you know, like liberate them all and get them to think beyond these indoctrinated principles. But that's what that makes me think about with this teacher. Yeah, she was one of my favorite teachers too. I mean, I really math is not my strong point at all, and I was so anxious about math that I I could not take a test. I could not do anything. And she really helped me a lot. I mean, I'm still not great at math, but I still love her. I saw her I guess like 2 years ago in Walmart and I was like, "Oh, hi." Anyway, so that was my school experience. Uh, This is funny, too. One of my friends who was being picked on a lot made uniforms by getting these shirts and she gave me one like she our whole friend group was supposed to wear these and I wore them for one day and then we got in trouble and I was like I'm never wearing that again but they kept wearing them I think they got like suspended or something but their parents didn't care so it didn't really matter um but it was just a t-shirt that met our school dress code and she had like painted on the front Monday Tuesday Wednesday like yeah and she had this little ruler that was like the length of our like that it could be from our collarbone to the top of our shirt and on the back she wrote the name of our school and then she wrote approved and so and she had it on a keychain so whenever the headmaster would come by she would like measure herself and be like look it's approved 
She sounds like kind of a badass. She really is. Those two, like, absolutely went to war over everything. But anyway, she instituted the uniforms that were not really uniforms. But he, we got called into his office and he was like, this is really unnecessary. I feel that this is disrespectful. You're no longer allowed to wear these uniforms. <laughs> And I was like, yes, sir, I will never wear this again. And she was like, why? This meets all the requirements in the dress code. So that was basically my high school experience. And what an experience that was. Oh, wait, I just forgot something. Sorry. I forgot about formal. So my freshman year formal, we didn't have prom. We had formal, which everyone's parents came to at a table with your parents. I just like pulled the, the laptop up close to my face and be like, what did you just say? Your parents came with you to your formal yes, dance. Yes, it wasn't a dance. We weren't allowed to dance, but um, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry for laughing. Okay. <laughs> this was like the social event of the season. And when I was on student council, we got to help plan formal. It was very, very exciting. And we usually went to like a fancy restaurant or if someone was rich and they had like a neighborhood clubhouse, then we could go to their neighborhood clubhouse. I was not one of those people, but a couple of my friends were. So my freshman year, I don't even remember what I wore. I don't remember being stressed out about it. But by sophomore year, I mean, the restrictions had gotten a lot more rigid by junior year. If you had anything that was a strap that was not a sleeve, or even if you had like a cap sleeve, you had to put a cardigan over it or like a shrug and safety pin that to your dress so you would not be tempted to remove it. Wow. By senior year, by senior year, the headmaster had to approve everyone's formal wear. Just the girls. Stop it. For real. Of course it was just the girls. Of course it was just the yeah. girls. Oh my God. How many people were in your class? Eight. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't take very long. I was say, how, much, how much time did this but take this man? I it guess was it like, take that long. I think it was eighth because our school, you could start high school in eighth grade. So it was eighth through 12th grade. And the class behind me had 30 something people. So, but not everyone came to formal every year. I mean, he maybe had like, like 30 or 40 outfits to approve. Oh, that, that pisses me off. I will just flat out say that that pisses me off. All the girls have to have their outfits approved because whatever, there's no issue with modesty and boys. In fact, it's the boys we're worried about. We don't want them to be too tempted right god forbid they see a clavicle my lord i think the weird thing to me is that discussing this i'm really appalled but at the time i thought this was completely normal yeah it's when you when you're in it of course it would seem like completely reasonable and and normal and it's yeah not having that outside perspective 
So that was formal. And now that does conclude the high school stories, at least for now. For now. I'm always open to more stories. I love your stories. So fun. Okay. Oh, purity rings. That's another fun little trend that happened. I don't know. This happened outside of fundamentalism, but I think it was just like extra prevalent where parents would give their child, usually the dad would give the daughter a purity ring. And it was basically a reminder to yourself that you belong to God and you should be pure. And every time you look down at that, that's what you're supposed to be thinking of. And also, of course, you're not having sex because that's reserved for marriage. You're right. Purity rings did have like a moment in the late 90s, early 2000s. I remember I we didn't do purity rings like in my family or any of my friends or anything, but I definitely remember again, public school education girly here that we had, you know, your your human growth and development class, your sex ed class, and one of them was talking about how like abstinence is really the best option. I don't know that we really got much more besides that. Because again, I'm from the Midwest and they gave out like little abstinent club cards that they wanted everybody to sign or whatever. But I definitely remember hearing. That's a new one, even for me. Yeah, it was it was something. And I definitely remembered hearing about like all the Disney celebrities seemed like mostly Disney celebrities who had the purity rings to like Britney Spears. Britney Spears had a purity ring? Yes. That was like all of her big things. No, before she turned 18, she was all about like the purity ring. Cause she's from the South too. Or she's from Louisiana or, Oh God, I should know. I'm going to no idea. I was like not allowed to Britney Spears anything. So uh, this is like, my mind is just like everything. I can't believe this. I cannot believe Britney Spears wasn't on this. Yes. Yes. Cause she is, she's from, um, God, where is she from? I don't remember. Somebody listening to this is like being like, she's from here. She's from here. Mississippi. She's from Mississippi. And um she had one and and like the Jonas brothers. I know that's a little younger than me. That's more like my sister's age. She and her friends are more like into the Jonas brothers and Demi and Selena and Justin Bieber and stuff. But like a bunch of them had the purity rings and were all like the Joe Bros did themselves. I think they did too. So it definitely had its moment. Wow. I did not really know about any of this. So I feel like I've been educated. Oh my God. I got to contribute something to the podcast. I always contribute something. <laughs> okay. Uh, speaking of purity rings, I don't know if you guys did purity balls. Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, definitely not. I did not ever attend a purity ball, and my homeschool group did not host purity balls. But there were some other homeschool groups in the area that did. And from friends who went, I think the vibe was sometimes they'd be presented with their purity ring at the ball. 
but it was basically like a daddy daughter event i'm sorry what you was it oh i said was there dancing at this ball was that a lot i didn't ask i mean it's daddy daughter so hopefully hopefully there's nothing sketchy going on with that but you never know Okay, when you say daddy-daughter, do you mean like when I was... Actually, i never been to a daddy-daughter dance. Um, but is it like one of those like seven, eight, nine-year-old daddy-daughter dances? No, these people were like 12, 13, 14 years old. Slightly different. Yeah, just a little, just a little. And the whole premise was about obviously remaining sexually pure and kind of going into this, I think this leads into courtship really, really, really well, because in our culture, dating was seen as worldly, secular, unholy, and dangerous. I remember hearing people say to me so many times that dating is dangerous, and young people make so many mistakes accidentally. I mean, I thought, I legit thought, that people accidentally had sex, like that you just like you were in a room and oh my gosh, now you're having sex because that's how it was talked about. <laughs> Oops, he tripped and his penis fell into me. Whoops. Oh, in high school, I got sent to the office one time because I was playing football, but it was it was just like the what's it called when they're wearing those little like flag football. Well, yes. football. And I literally tripped and landed on top of someone. And of course it was a boy. And this was right as the headmaster was walking outside. And I kept oh, saying, I just yeah. tripped. And he was like, I believe you. And then we had this meeting where he was like, there will be no contact sports of any kind between male and female. So I'm sorry I ruined that for you guys. Oh. It is all Anna's Completely. I own it. I really did trip, though. And that guy was not attractive. If I was going to accidentally trip, it would have been um, over someone else. But... Did not accidentally trip and fall and have sex with I was. I mean, I really thought... I My whole perceptions of sex were just very weird because I really did not understand exactly what it was i knew that it was supposed to be like this holy mystical union between two people and that i mean they like i heard things a lot like sex is like a fire if it's in a fireplace then it's really enjoyable but if it's not in a fireplace then it's going to cause destruction oh Mm -hmm. and i think there's some truth i mean once again, there's some truth to all of this, but everything is, like you said, it's been taken to the extreme. So anyway, back yeah. to the whole dating is not a thing. So dating is not a thing. So go ahead and get that out of your brain. And even like male, female friendships were really not a thing. And I had a best friend in high school who was gay. I did not know he was gay. I just knew he liked to go shopping and he liked to go to Starbucks and we got along super well. We love to talk about the same things. And when we were in study hall and like, you know, you had to put your head down if, if, 
if you didn't have work to do, we would write notes back and forth to each other just to look like we were doing work. And sometimes it would like we played this game where we would say something we liked and I'd be like butterflies and draw a picture of a butterfly. And he'd be like puppies and draw a picture of a puppy. <laughs> so <laughs> and we also went Black Friday shopping together. And I mean, we did a lot of stuff together. And this was very not common at all. And people would ask me if we were dating all the time. And I'd be like, no, he said he's never going to get married, but he wants me to be the maternal figure in his child's life one day. And like, I never figured out he was gay. <laughs> like I graduated college and someone was like, you know, he's gay, right? And I was like, no, he's not gay. And then I was like, oh, actually that's probably how he was trying to tell me like hey i'm never gonna get married but i hope you're always in my life and i hope you're a maternal figure in my adopted child's life <laughs> just to clarify <laughs> and i still didn't get it anyway but we hung out <laughs> and people would ask if we were dating and stuff and this because this was was not common and people would tell me that our friendship was inappropriate and I was like it's really it's really not and actually one day you could check out at lunch and we went across the street to the gas station and we were just like sitting in the car drinking slushies or something I don't know what we we're doing but my headmaster saw us and called my mom and he was like I just want to let you know that your daughter is in the vehicle with a male friend and they're sitting at the gas station and I've been watching them and my mom was like oh who's the friend this does not sound like her and then she goes oh it's that boy yeah that's fine that's totally fine even your mom knew. No, like literally everyone knew, but I didn't know this is going to have to be another episode because I really, I didn't know being gay was even an option. Like I didn't know that was even, I really didn't know it was a thing. Like I had kind of heard about it here and there, but it was very like fringe, you know? Anyway, so I think because of that, I probably had more contact with boys than most people did, even though that was my only male friend. <laughs> but I mean, everything was kind of policed. Like you don't want to make eye contact with a boy because you're going to have too much of an emotional bond. You don't want to be alone in a room with a boy because that's how accidents happen. You don't want to be alone in a car with a boy because that's how accidents happen. And I, I mean, accidents, I don't know if that means like rape or just having sex, but I did not want to have an accident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, accidents when you trip and fall and your vagina lands. Right. That kind of <laughs> so everything was very restricted as far as male female friendships even went and i mean most people really didn't have like male female friendships it just it was not really socially acceptable so if you did see someone so go ahead oh i was just gonna ask a question but you might be getting to it okay um so if you saw someone and you did like them and you did want to get to know them better here comes the courtship part. Courtship. And that's what I was going to ask. I was going to say, what is the difference then between dating and courtship? Um, It's pretty much completely different. So 
Oh. <laughs> yeah. With courtship, it's really a partnership between two families. So the first thing you would do is, you know, pray and ask God if you're really supposed to pursue this person. And if you're a girl, you don't have that option. You just have to wait to be pursued. So that kind of sucks. Oh. And oh, you don't get to pick. I mean, unless you have multiple people jumping after you, no. So you're kind of like chosen, like you're like you're some piece of cake or piece of meat. Yes. So you basically are supposed to be preparing yourself for marriage your whole life. I mean, we talked about that with keepers and we talked about that with mother's helper. And, you know, you were encouraged to pray for your future husband and to write prayers for your future husband. And another thing that was really never talked about was singleness. I remember being in college and feeling like I must be unholy or I must be failing because no one had chosen me. And I remember thinking, like, how terribly have I had to fail that some of my friends are married with babies and I'm just here in school, you know? It's just a very different perspective. And I remember wishing, I remember being like 19 and wishing I could just quit college and that some boy would marry me and I could make babies because that's what I knew and that's what I felt like. I would be the most comfortable with. And college was so, so uncomfortable for me, um, which is kind of another story. But that's kind of the perspective is like women get married and make babies and care for their families and care for their husbands. And that's kind of their role. That's a hugely interesting perspective. Um, so different than like what we think of in the mainstream of like I'm not successful if I go to college like I'm not being the most successful version self-fulfilling version of myself if I'm going on to get a degree in higher education that's it's very different than kind of what we were told growing up at least in my experience you know in my experience it was all you know, you go through high school, you go to college, you get a degree, you make something of yourself, you're not successful if you don't go to college and get a degree, which is a whole different story. Like we know now that you can be very, very successful and not go to college, but you can be very, very successful and not be a wife and have babies. I think that goes back to sort of the quiverful mentality that the most eternal value for that culture for a woman is to be a mother. So that's, I mean, that's really where all, all the emphasis was. And I just remember, I mean, I cried so much in college because I felt like I was a failure because I was not married and no one was courting me and I didn't know what I was doing wrong. But anyway, back to the whole courtship thing. So someone, if they select you, obviously a male, then they would talk to their parents and their parents would talk to your parents and decide if it's okay for you guys to get to know each other. What if you don't like him, though? I mean, you can tell your parents that you don't like him. Yeah. And, I mean, I think for the most part, the people I was around, their parents did respect that. Because most people don't want their daughters to be miserable. But, I mean, obviously, it just depends on who your parents are. Yeah. If your parents are terrible people, I mean, good luck. <laughs> so. 
So the boy picks you, and then did you say his family talks to your family? Yes, usually the fathers of each family. Sometimes the parents as a couple talk to each other, and they set up boundaries and decide what you can and can't do. Like, okay, they can talk on the phone, but there needs to be a parent present when they're talking on the phone. Or they can send emails, but we need to be able to read the emails. Um, They can go on a date, but they have to have a chaperone to go on the date. So they kind of really, it's a controlled sort of dating. I mean, it's, it's really almost not at all like dating because it's so controlled. The other thing I think that's really tough about it is there's so much prayer involved in everything. And I don't want to sound like that's negative because I am a Christian. I'm not a fundamentalist Christian (laughs) at all, but I'm not saying prayer is bad and that people shouldn't pray and that it's wrong to pray, but everything is so seriously religious that when people break up in their dating, I mean, that's really hard, but when people break up from a courtship they feel like they're breaking the plan God had for them, you know? Oh, so yeah, that's significantly more serious. Yeah. And I mean, the people around them too, I mean, it makes it look like, well, were you not praying in the beginning? You, you know, if you were seeking God, you wouldn't have even pursued this person because, you know, God would have revealed that to you. So it's kind of like, it feels like a social failure as well as a personal and spiritual failure. Oh, wow. That really makes things a lot more high stakes when you're looking at it from that perspective. Absolutely. And I actually had a friend whose brother, um, they ended a courtship. And after that, her parents ended up saying to my parents, we are actually going to let our kids date from now on because this was such a horrible emotional experience for everyone and it's too serious for people who are so young that's such a good point i mean when you're going through your courtship you're you're a teenager and to have that much pressure put on you as a teenager no that's it's supposed to be a fun time your your frontal cortex is not fully developed yet like you're not who you are fully meant to be and to put that much pressure on it. Yeah. Good for them for letting him date after that. I think that was really eye opening for my parents because my parents were kind of leaning towards the courtship model, but her brother was a lot older than us. And after that experience, my parents were like, okay, you can date, I guess. But I never, I had so many standards (laughs) that I didn't even meet anyone until I was 24. Um, speaking of purity, as far as physical things go within the boundaries of courtship. And I mean, even, I guess, like for people who don't do courtship, but do dating, there are always boundaries about physical things like being alone in a room, how close you can sit to each other. Some people couldn't sit on the same sofa. They had to sit, you know, separately. Some people could hold hands. Some people could not hold hands. One thing that was really, really big and that was talked about constantly throughout pretty much my whole childhood was that to give any piece of yourself away physically was equally as sinful as giving yourself away sexually, which is so serious. So I legit grew up thinking that kissing when you were dating or before you were married was 
was just as serious as having sex. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So my first kiss happened when I was 24, but we can talk about that later <laughs> because I was just, I was so, I mean, it, it was so talked up as being so serious. And a lot of people who went through this courtship, I mean, they were like in high school when they started it. They got married right out of high school. They had only ever been with that one person that they haven't even really been with because they haven't been alone with that person. So they don't even really know who that person is alone. And then, I mean, I think it's a lot of pressure too to have to kiss for the first time on your wedding day. Like, oh my gosh, I was so nervous and I was definitely kissing before my wedding day. <laughs> Good for you, girl. Good for you. Do you know who this reminds me of? This whole like talk about courtship and and stuff you know who who ethan and olivia platt oh yes 100 percent. yes i mean this is basically exactly what they went through i mean this is like the exact process we need to have like a plath episode a hundred percent i'm i'm super into welcome to plathville me too the last season was so good, but it was so depressing, too. It really was. It, like, yeah, it really was. But anyways, so yeah, this is seems like exactly what I remember them talking about. And, and look at where they are. Not to say you know exactly what's happening in their marriage from watching them on reality TV, but they definitely seem like they got married very young. and are still learning and growing as individual people, let alone trying to live and learn and grow in a relationship together. You know, they're not even fully aware of who they are yet. They're not them final selves yet. Oh, I agree. I think too, to me, it's almost dangerous that you can't be alone with this person or have unsupervised conversation because the way some people act in front of their family and friends or in groups and the way they treat you publicly may be very different than the way they treat you privately. And if all you know is that one way, I mean, that's very scary. Oh my gosh, completely very scary. I feel like women could get themselves into situations that are very, yeah, scary and dangerous from not being fully aware of what they're entering into in a relationship like this. Yes. I actually saw that happen with my best friend. Um, but hopefully we're going to have her on an episode one day soon and she's going to share her own story. So I won't give any more of that away. Another thing with physical purity was eye contact. And I talked about this a little bit before, but I mean, some people would call it making out with your eyes, which is just where you... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I thought, see, the thing is, like, I thought this was all normal, and then I say something that I thought was normal, and then you react I'm like sorry, this. sorry, I should not laugh as much, but making out with your eye. Yeah, it was just, like, extended eye contact. Some people called it eye kissing or making out with your eyes. So, I mean, that's, like, obviously just as bad as actual kissing, and actual kissing is just as bad as having sex, you know? <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, girl. This is a very different experience than what I grew up with. 
<sighs> so, okay, I guess the last thing I want to say about courtship is women, I mean, it's kind of like what you said earlier, where women are almost property. Something that was talked about a lot throughout my childhood was how when I got married, I would be passing from my husband or from my father to my husband. So I would be passing from my father's authority and protection and yada yada to my husband's authority and protection. So that's also a very big tenet of courtship. It's very patriarchal, isn't it? Uh, yeah, completely. I mean, it's completely patriarchal. Yeah, it's like the most understated thing <laughs> said on the podcast. It's very, 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 very patriarchal. Definitely. So there is no like single moms or anything like that. Like, what would you do if you were married young and God forbid you became a very, very young widow? Like, would you just go back into your father's possession or try and find a new husband? Probably both, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, that I actually saw people that that happened to and they went back to live with their parents and then they ended up getting married again and making more babies. <laughs> so, um, and then the people who were divorced, I mean, divorce was very, very frowned upon pretty much for all reasons. So I think a lot of people were too scared to get a divorce because of the social consequences for those people who did get a divorce. Uh, they are probably no longer fundamentalist Christians or some of them are probably not Christians at all because they're so turned off from the church, even though this particular brand of Christianity isn't really even what I consider Christianity. Wow. That's, that's sad. That's really sad. It is sad. Oh my gosh. Oh, you know what? I think I'm going to. After we're done recording, I know I probably don't have to be saying this on the recording. I can edit this out. But after we're done recording, I'm probably going to keep watching Woodstock 99. Like, it's just crazy. Yes. You know, you were talking about your neighbor guy who listened to corn and everything. I was not, uh, well, I was young. I was a kid in the 90s. I was a child in 1999. But uh, we were like, like country people in my household we listen my dad listened to like classic country you know brooks and dunn alan jackson i my first concert ever was shania twain i don't know if i told you that i have netflix on in the background and it's just like zooming different things past i haven't watched her documentary yet have you no, I have not. And I, I love Shania Twain. And weirdly, I was allowed to listen to some country music. It was like, I don't know why, but the country music that I listened to, I hated because it was all so old. It was like Merle Haggard oh. on an eight track, you know, I mean, it was all so old. And Loretta Lynn, my parents were like obsessed with Loretta Lynn, coal miner's daughter. So that was you like on repeat. It was very twangy. Classic, classic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised by that. That's very secular music, Anna. I'm surprised you were allowed to listen to that. I know. That's, I mean, that's about as secular as it gets <laughs> for us. But we listen to a lot of Christian 
like contemporary music and some of my friends were not allowed to listen to Christian contemporary music at all because they thought anything with like a contemporary feel was evil. But I was allowed to listen to Christian contemporary music and I was obsessed with this band called Barlow Girl. Have you heard of Barlow Girl? No, sorry. That's so sad. I even went to like three of their concerts and they signed my CD, like a true nineties kid. The signing of the CDs. Very nice. Did they have the lyrics in like the album? Oh my gosh, yes. And I loved taking it out and like memorizing all the lyrics, but they actually had a song about courtship and it was called No More Dating. I'm just waiting. (laughs) Oh my. Yes. So the lyrics were like, boys are bad. That's certainly not true because God is preparing one for you. Yeah, and there was one about, like, Sleeping Beauty, my prince will come for me because God is writing my love story. So the whole idea was that you aren't out chasing boys. You are waiting in the Lord and resting in the Lord and waiting to be pursued by one of them. There's a lot of this um, kind of fairy tale talk in courtship, isn't there? A lot about being like a princess, waiting for the prince. And the handsome knight. I'm just looking at like the the recording doc, and even in some of the quotes you pulled out of the Prince Charming book, it's all about anxious maidens must not play with fire breathing dragons lest they be burnt. <laughs> yes. So that was like one of the books that I had to read to prepare myself for for marriage. Um, and I mean, that's that's going to be its own whole episode, but the front cover says a guide to radiant purity. And I remember reading through this whole book and thinking it was so fabulous. And then I ended up flipping to the back where you read about the author. And I remember thinking, wait, this girl is not even married. Who is she to write a book to tell me how to get myself ready to be married? She's That's not even freaking point. married. What the hell does she know? I think she is married now because I stalked her website preparing for the podcast. And there was like a whole blurb about how her and her sister got married and yada, yada, yada. I mean, the the name of the book is Before You Meet Prince Charming. So there is a lot of talk about like, you're a princess because you're a daughter of God and God is the king. So you need to behave my like a princess. Like shooting up my forehead, increasing all the wrinkles that are forming there. But oh my it's it's I watch a lot of dating TikToks and like single girl TikToks and that is my relationship status but um they talk about that a lot about people who are just looking for that fairy tale fantasy romance and how it's not you know realistic and it's not something to actually idolize Right. And I mean, I think marriage is very idolized in the whole fundamentalist Christianity culture. I mean, it's really seen as the only option. And it increases the likelihood of you turning into a Disney adult. 
Are you a Disney adult, Anna? <laughs> no. I don't know. Like Disney adults for me, like maybe millennials, mostly millennials, uh, who are super, super, super into Disney and vacation to Disney. Most of them have their weddings at Disney. Both members of the couple are very, very, very into Disney. Disney bounding, playing along with the whatever jokes. I, I don't know. I'm not a Disney adult. Um, they go like I don't I don't know. Probably they did a Disney semester cast member for a semester. Yeah. I have a friend who definitely falls into this category. I think she's been on like just this year, like a Disney cruise and she's been to Disneyland and she's been to Disney World. Um I mean I like Disney in that I have Disney Plus. So <laughs> there's that. I wouldn't call myself a Disney adult. I've never actually been to Disney. And I mean, Disney was kind of frowned upon when I was growing up. So I haven't seen, like, I did not see Pocahontas or um, Aladdin or Little Mermaid. Yeah, until you're definitely I was not a college. Disney adult. <laughs> No, I do want to go to Disney though. That's like my That's lifelong fair. dream I think is to go to Disney. Should go a couple of times. You know, I've been Disney World twice as a kid. I've been to Disneyland once or twice um, in my late teens, early twenties. But yeah, no, you're not a Disney adult. No offense to the people listening who are Disney adults, but maybe a little offense. Just kidding. <laughs> Oh, we're going off the rails. We are. I think we are. We might have to have another episode revisiting some of these topics, revisiting, you know, more of the modesty stuff because it's it's kind of blowing my mind and and revisiting this waiting for Prince Charming book before Prince Charming. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about that in a whole episode. Yes. Oh, definitely. And I mean, we didn't even talk about I Kissed Dating Goodbye, which is the other really popular book about courtship. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I think I have a feeling I know what a following episode might be might be about. We're definitely going to have a follow up. But so I think that leaves us in a good spot. We're going to leave you waiting for more, dear listeners. Um, please, please, please find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We're also on Amazon Music and a couple others, very niche uh, podcast services. But please find our podcast and give us a five-star review that helps other people find us in the podcast app. The more reviews we have, the more that we are shown as something that people would like to listen to more. And another great way to get the word out about the podcast is to share it with your friends. Please share with people who you would think would be just as equally fascinated in listening to this as you are. We have an Instagram and we desperately, desperately want more Instagram followers. We're trying to like boost the amount of memes that we put on there and kind of previews of what's coming up next in our episodes is on our Instagram. That's at help meet pod. 
all one word on Instagram at helpmeetpod. So please find us on there. We hope you'll join us next time as we talk more about modesty. And remember, in a world of so much fear and confusion, don't forget that making out with your eyes is the same thing as snogging, and snogging is the same thing as having sex. Bye!